Well, welcome. My name's uh, Pastor Justin, and I am the senior pastor here at New Life. Um, two weeks ago, we were talking about Vision Sunday, and uh, essentially, I, w- I was communicating to those of you, maybe you're new around here, every year we kind of just pray for a word for that coming year. And I encourage each of you to do it individually for, for yourself personally, for your family, for your marriages. Like, God, what is a word that you're wanting me to just kind of like to set as maybe a, a stone of remembrance or an anchor point for me to know that like, God, this is the, these are the things that you're wanting to start working in me o- over the course of the year. And so for this year, I've been praying and praying and, and praying. And the word has come in so many different iterations and from so many different people. Um, I'll ask other people, like, hey, what are you sensing? What are you? And, and it's been all kind of in the same idea, but very different words. So I've had words like arise, words like uh, now is the time, words like wake up, run, alignment, move forward, it is time. And, um, and what I've realized is that um, what God was communicating to me in a, in a whole bunch of different words is that um, he's not actually giving us a word or a phrase for 2022. It's actually an action, a movement, something that will require your participation, my participation. It's not just a word or a thought or an idea that we can gather around and say, isn't that a great idea? It actually is something that God's saying, um, I'm actually calling you to something and you're going to have to participate with me to see it fulfilled. And so um, that, that word, that idea of like, it is time and let's move forward um, is, is the idea that I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Pastor John last week um, preached, and he, he pretty much put like an exclamation point on, on where we've been as we've been talking about the kingdom of God and even where we we're talking about for Vision Sunday and moving forward together. And uh, essentially he was talking about the importance of God's people walking in alignment, in unity, walking together in the purposes of God. Because when we align ourselves with God's purposes, we begin to walk in his power. And, uh, and that was kind of the, the heartbeat of some of the things that, that he shared this past week. And part of our responsibility um, in living in these last days, I don't know if you realize this, uh, we are living in the last days. And if you're like, well, I don't know necessarily how last of the last uh, days are they. Every day that goes by gets closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? If we, if we don't get further away from that, we actually move towards it. Uh, the last days are coming. They're not leaving. Um, they're adding up. They're building towards something. And uh, that something is the return of Jesus Christ. And um, part of our responsibility in living in these last days, or the last of the last days, is to know and to understand the times that we're living in. Let me read for you in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says this, From the tribe of Issachar, there are 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives, and this is what it says about them. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. So the implication is that if you understand the times that you're living in, you'll know what to do and the course of action to take in the midst of it. And also, if you don't know and understand the times or the season that you're living in, then you won't necessarily know what it is that you're supposed to do. 
And especially in our, in our own personal lives, in your families, in your, in your own life and, and journey that God has you on, as well as what we're seeing in the world around us today with wars and rumors of wars and things swirling and earthquakes and all, the, all types of things that are going on in these last days, it's important for us to know the times that we're living in so that we know the course to take so that we don't act like uh, the tail wagging the dog and watching the news getting all flustered with our hands up in the air saying, oh, I guess that the world's going to hell in a handbasket and we should just give up. Realizing that God has set us into, into this period, in this time, you are sucking oxygen on planet Earth for such a time as this. Amen? That he's called us to something and it's adding up to something. Because when you understand the time that you're in, then you know the action to take. Have you ever noticed how obsessed people are with time? We are obsessed. I'm obsessed with time. Like I, um, we, we measure time. We, we schedule it. We plan it. We feel like we're losing it. We lose track of it. We, we're always trying to, to manage our time. We never feel like we have enough of it. And as we get older, one day when you hit a ripe old age of me at 43, you will come to, <laughs> you'll come to a place one day, you'll get there. One day, uh, you'll come to a place where you, you just all of a sudden feel like, like time is speeding up. Anybody who's 43 and older in here, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you feel like, my goodness, like, years go like by like months, months go by like weeks, weeks go by like days, days go by like, I mean, it's just literally like time is speeding up. It's going faster and faster. It's like slipping away from us. But I, what I want to talk about today is this, this obsession with time is not simply a subjective perception of it. It's not just something that people 43 and older start to sense, that like time's speeding up. The reality is, it kind of is. I want you to understand this. Time is coming. What I want to, to, to propose to you today is that our world's preoccupation with time is actually a natural response to a spiritual reality. So, let me give you a brief history of how we've measured time in the past. Let's start in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And he said, let there be light. And he separated light from darkness. And then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So, in the beginning, time was measured by day and night. That was how we measured, that was how we measured time. It was day and night. That's how we knew that a day had gone by when the sun rose and set. And then, around 3500 BC, people that think that the earth and everything in it is millions and billions and trillions of years old, we just got smart recently, obviously. Uh, beginning around 3500 BC, we see the first sun obelisk and sundials, right? We have these sun obelisks that um, essentially as the sun went over, it would cast a shadow. And so now we could start measuring by looking at a sundial or an obelisk how much of the day we have left. That's kind of how it began. That's like the first watch, right? It was the first idea that's like, okay, we don't just like, oh, I guess the day went by because the sun went over. Now we can kind of guess and see where the, where the shadow is. At high noon, there is no shadow. And now we, we can see that the, that the day is getting shorter and we know and can count how much time we have left. 1600 BC, it took, it took almost 2,000 years for us to get to the next phase. 1600 BC, we find the first water clock in Egypt. 
This is when, essentially, they have this dripping mechanism that drips into a vessel. And, and over the course of the day, as it drip, 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 and fills a vessel, you can tell how far along you are in the day by how full the vessel becomes. That's 1600 B.C. Then we speed ahead to 250 B.C. 250 years before Christ is the first prototype of an alarm clock. It was the same idea. It was a, it was a water vessel. It would, it would drip, 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 and it would get to a certain point and hit this little tube, and it would kind of tip it, and water would make a whistling sound as it went out of the tube. So over certain parts of the day, they would have these little whistling sounds that would, almost like an alarm clock. It was the first idea of an alarm clock that would happen. This was 250 years before Christ. 500 AD is the first candle clock. This is after Christ, 500 years 500 AD is the first candle clock. You light the, light the candle in the beginning of the day, and as it goes down, you can tell what time of the day it is based upon how low the candle gets over the course of the day. That's the first candle clock. Around 700 AD, this is the first hourglass, the thing that you use when you play games, right? You flip the, the hourglass back over, back and over, back and over, right? It's the first time that we got to now see as the sand goes through the hourglass, we see how, many, how much time we have left in our day. 1500s, the early 1500s, the first portable alarm clock, time was now on the move. 1577, all of a sudden now we add another hand to the clock. It used to just be one hand that went around the clock face. Now we have two hands all of a sudden in 1577. Now we're not just marking time by hours. Now we're measuring minutes. 1600 AD, Galileo invents the pendulum clock, which swings back and forth and knocks over these little pegs and now becomes more and more accurate. 1760, we add a third hand now to the clock. So now we're not just measuring time by days. We're not just measuring it by hours. We're not just measuring it by minutes. Now we're measuring time in seconds. This, this, this brand new idea in 1760 AD. Then we speed to 1970 was the first digital wristwatch. Some of you lived through that, right? You're like, you remember when you, all of a sudden you could get like a a wristwatch on your hand. Time was now at hand, right? I mean, you, you literally could, you didn't have to ask people what time it was. You didn't have to look at the clock tower in your town to figure out what time it was. You didn't have to ask somebody that had a clock in their home. You had a, a portable digital wristwatch that you could just say, I know exactly what time it is. And over time, we've become more and more and more obsessed with measuring time. And, and you watch the Olympics. The, the difference between first place and second place is sometimes one one-hundredth of a second. We're measuring it such minute ways. And what's interesting is that as we're speeding up and measuring smaller and smaller amounts, almost like we're obsessed with, with getting it down because it's, it's slipping away from us, the creator, God, eternal, uncreated one, seems to measure time much differently than we do. As we measure time in seconds, he measured time in seasons. Let me read for you Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. 
And so we like to measure time in seconds, but God measures time in seasons. God says that there is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under heaven. So in the hectic busyness of our days, and we're all busy, we all have things, we're all measuring time and our calendars are are full. What, What would happen if we began asking our creator, what season am I in? What time is it? Because when I know the season that I'm in, I know the best course of action to take. So the question really is this. Maybe not what time is it? How old am I? Maybe ask the question, is it time to plant or time to uproot? Is it time to be silent or is it time to speak out? Is it a time to sow seed or is it time to harvest? Is it a time to put a ring on it already or is it a time to break it off? (laughs) Come on, somebody. Is it... Is it a time to start making good habits in your life or is it a time to just quit bad habits in your life? Is it a time to fight or is it a time to walk away? What season am I in? And for every single one of us, individually, God may have us at different seasons in our life. And the question isn't what's going on in other people's lives and what season are they in. The question is to ask that to our creator, God. God, what season am I in? Because when we know the season that we're in, then it's much easier to know the course of action to take. When you view time as seasons, here's the beauty of it. Seasons give you hope. Let me explain this. When, you view, when you're just measuring time in, in days, hours, years, minutes, seconds, and it just feels like it's going faster and it's going away, and I don't know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, we should just give up, and I'm already this age, and you know what, it's just kind of slipping away, and I don't think everything's life isn't happening the way that I hoped that it would, all that. But when you start measuring time in seasons, it gives you hope. Why? Because seasons are temporary. Summer is coming. Amen. Hallelujah. And all the Mainers are like, yes, summer is coming. You're from Florida? Yeah, whatever. Mainers, no. Seasons are temporary and summer is coming, which means that nothing is permanent except for God and his promises. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, which means that All the things that we hold dear, the things that we think that we own, the time that we think we can manage will pass away. You can't take it with you. But but his words, his promises, his plan for your life will not pass away. Those are the things that are eternal, that we live and hold and, and, and live within. So the good news is this. If you're in planting season, and some of you guys are like, man, I've been sowing seed, like thinking sowing seed. I'm so sick of planting. If you're in planting season, good news. Keep planting. Harvest is coming. Right? I'm just telling you. You're like, man, I'm just so sick of this. I feel like I just, when am I going to get a harvest? I watch everybody else. They're plucking harvest. They're they're doing all these things. And I I am, I am literally, I am sowing seed. I've been planting, I've been planting, I've been planting. When am I going to get the harvest? What that also means though is this. If you haven't sown in sowing season, you shouldn't be waiting for a harvest. If you're in sowing season, what should you be doing? Sowing seed. What what amazes me is when people are in sowing season and they're just like, I'm just going to wait for harvest. You're going to be waiting a very long time. 
You, you don't get you to sit around looking at your raised garden bed, not sowing any seed, just thinking, well, I'm going to grow. You'll grow something, all right. It's not going to be edible unless you like eating dandelions, right? Weeds grow when you don't plant, when you don't weed, when you don't sow, when you don't tend. If you know the season that you're in, you'll know the best course of action to take. Know the time that you're in. And I've been thinking about this. Like, what if God isn't as concerned with how many revolutions we've ridden this rock we call earth around the sun? What if God isn't as concerned as we are about how old we are, young or old? What if, what if God doesn't understand the, the word retirement? Just throw it out there. What, what, if, what if he's like, I'm sorry, I don't, what if he's constantly asking every single one of us, whether we're young and we feel like we don't have enough and we don't know enough and we haven't lived enough or we're old and we feel like if we've already done everything that we're supposed to do and we're supposed to hang up our hat and move to Boca Raton, like what if, what if in the middle of, and no matter what age and how many times we have ridden this rock around the sun, God is always asking us this one question, what are you doing in the season that I have you in? What are you doing in the season that I have. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your talents? What are you doing with your treasure? How are you investing in the purposes of God in the season that I have you in? Seasons bring you hope. Number two, when it comes to time, history is headed somewhere. This is important for us to understand. In the beginning, the uncreated eternal God said, spoke into existence light. He just said, let there be light. Never had seen before, never even been known before, before God spoke it into existence, and he spoke light into existence, and it was at that moment when days became something, and the clock began ticking. The timer began. It was the beginning of a kingdom calendar, and, 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 and time was created for God's purposes to be fulfilled, I want you to understand, when he spoke light and when he spoke existence, when he spoke the worlds into existence and started measuring time, I want you to know the timer started, but he wasn't just starting time so that it would someday, I don't know, one day get to some certain time. He was waiting for the fullness of time and he saw the end from the beginning and it started a kingdom calendar of the purposes of God which means that every single one of you, you are not an accident. You are not some sort of primordial evolution of ooze that grew a brain all of a sudden. You are a creation of the most high God, of the uncreated one. And you were placed in this day for such a time as this. You have been given time and talents and treasures so that they can be used for his glory. Amen? Know the time that you're in. And when we look, start looking at time and stop counting seconds as they pass by and we realize that time isn't passing by, it's adding up, it changes everything. You no longer think, well, I just don't think that I have a purpose in my life. No, you have a purpose. God has called you for such a time as this. So God's view of time is so different than our view of time. We see all throughout scripture terms like this, like the time has come, the time has now come, the time is coming, that in the last days, this is what it'll look like. See, in our thinking, time is leaving us. But in God's calendar, time is coming. In our thinking, time is counting down. But in God's calendar, time is counting up. It's adding up. 
In our thinking, time is winding down. But in God's calendar, time is winding up to something. We see this all throughout Scripture, this whole idea that God sees time differently than we do. We think of history as terms of chronology and like year by year and hour by hour and minute by minute. But God looks at it more in the fullness of time. The kairos is how he defines it. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says it this way. This is talking about when Jesus came. It wasn't just about a chronological time when Jesus came. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, when all of a sudden it added up, the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons. See, God doesn't view time as an hourglass emptying. He views it as a bowl being filled. And when we begin to see time the way God sees time, that he saw the end from the beginning, and that time isn't going away, time is adding up, time is filling up a bowl, time is is headed somewhere, history has a trajectory, all of creation has, has, has a destination ahead of it, which means that you're not an accident, that you are born for such a time as this. What I want to say to you today is this, there is an alarm clock going off. It's an alarm clock going off in our personal lives. There's an alarm clock going off in our church. There's an alarm clock going off in our world. And the thing about alarm clocks is that they always seem to go off at inopportune times, don't they? Mine does at least. Oh, maybe yours goes off at the perfect time. My, my alarm clock always goes off when I'm least ready for it to go off. I'm like, are you kidding me? And the thing about alarm clocks is this. They always demand a response, don't they? I mean, you cannot respond to it, and your wife or husband laying next to you will hit you until you respond to it, right? Because they don't, they're like, that is not my alarm clock, that is your alarm clock. You get up at this hour, not me. Get up and turn your alarm clock off. Or it can be like my kids. Literally, my son will set eight alarms, five minutes five minutes, every five minutes. He doesn't plan to get up until 35 minutes after the eighth alarm that has gone off. But he, 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 he thinks, I, if I could just hit snooze every time and turn off the alarm clock every time, then 35 minutes later, I'll finally be like, that's the last one. It's the one. Can I just tell you, church, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up from the, from the demonic lullaby that has lulled us to sleep, that everything's fine, and just, just relax, just lay low, you don't need to fight, you don't need to just do whatever makes you feel good, you do you, you define your identity, you do whatever makes you feel good, you rest in your comfort, and God's like, hello, 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 like wake up, it is time for us to wake up from the demonic lullaby that has lulled us to sleep. Pastor John said something uh, last week, and he was preaching, and I haven't been able to, to escape it. And he said this, he said, revival is our responsibility. And honestly, I, I thought to myself, my first response was like, is that even true? Like, is that, is that true? Because I, I don't normally think of revival being my responsibility. I, I normally think of like, that being God's job. And this is what I've been, as I've been praying this week, is this. What if revival isn't birthed by some mysterious, elusive, melt-your-face-off worship set where they sing all your favorites, right? 
And it's a moment where like God just shows up and the preacher doesn't even, because he's a boring part of it, right? He doesn't even get up because we're just worshiping our faces off. And then we just have, we just keep going and we have church the next night and the next night. And then we have to, we have to put a, a tent outside so that we could contain the crowd of people for this, for this revival that God has done. What if, what if it isn't birthed that way? What if we're sitting around waiting for God to move in revival, but God is actually waiting for us to move in faithfulness as we move in alignment to do what he's called us to do even when we don't like it? (laughs) Now, we like the, yes, unity. Yes, let's move together. Yes, let's move as, as, as a people. The part that we struggle with is the even when we don't like it part. When he calls us to do something and we're like, yeah, it's a good idea, Jesus. Just don't like it. Snooze. You hear hear a message, the pastor like starts like, you know, when I'm I'm talking and like, you know, I'm like, I'm getting a little bit in your business, right? And you're like, back off. I'm leaving, right? I'm out, right? You're in my business. And you hit snooze. Snooze. Sometimes you do it in the middle of a message. Snooze. Or you're just like, yeah, he's almost done. Pastor's almost done. Snooze. We'll just wait till next week. Hopefully he won't be talking about this again. But the reality is, is that God calls us to move in obedience to that which we don't necessarily always agree with. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. And I think maybe even what Pastor John was trying to explain is this whole idea that our responsibility is to walk forward in obedience and revival is God's natural response to his people walking in that. That obedience is our responsibility and the outcome is God's. Because at the end of our days, I'll just tell you, he does not say to us, well done, good and busy servant. He didn't say, well done, good and successful servant. Well done in good and well-attending church services servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. It's this reality that God values faithfulness. And if I were to define faithfulness, I would define it this way. Obedience, even when we don't like it. Isn't that faithfulness? Isn't that faithfulness in marriage? <laughs> Walking in commitment even when we don't like it? Over the long haul? It's, it's, it's doing the right thing over a long period of time is, is faithfulness. I want to leave you with just a few thoughts uh, of, as we head into a new season, and, which I truly believe, and it, prophetically I really truly believe um, that is what God is preparing us for over the past month and a half or so. I had this just thing rumbling around in me that, that God is saying, I'm wanting to move you into a new season. So how do we move into a new season? What does that look like? What do the people of God have to, have to do, have to be, have to, have to will in a new season to walk into that which God has for us? So I was reading in Joshua chapter 4 a couple weeks ago, right? We were talking about how when the people of God come up to the Jordan River and they know that on the other side of it is the promised land and they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years and God says, I'm going to part the river and you're going to walk across on dry ground. And so they, they go and they walk and, and all of a sudden the river parts, the Jordan River piles up and they walk across on dry ground. They get to the other side. Now here's the beauty of it. 
They just crossed a river, but now they're heading into a new season. And sometimes we're, we, we walk into a, 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 new, a new place, a new thing. We take a step of obedience. We cross a river. But just know that that, that doesn't necessarily move you into a new season. There are some things that need, need to be put in place so that you can walk into the new season that God has for you. So I was reading in John, Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. Let me, let me read it for you. It says this. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, so they, they cross the river and they're camping out at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, which is Jericho is the promised land. So they're waiting to go into the promised land. The Israelites celebrated Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, of this promised land that they're heading into. Unleavened bread and roasted grain. Now, this is what I'd never seen before, verse 12. The manna. You guys know what manna is? Do you guys remember all those years as they wandered in the wilderness? They would open up their tents every morning and there would be this miracle bread from heaven. And they called, man, they called it manna, which in Hebrew means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. They're like, I think we can eat it. And they ate it for 40 years, right? Every morning it would be outside of their tent and they'd gather what they needed for that day and they would eat, they would cook with it and all those things. So this is what, I always wondered, when did the manna stop? When did, when did, did they always just get this bread from heaven? When did it stop? Verse 12, this is where we find it. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. And as soon as I read that, the Lord just spoke to my spirit. He said, sometimes, sometimes I will hold back my provision in order to push you into a promise. Let me say that again. Sometimes God will hold back a provision that you've become used to, a provision that maybe you even feel entitled to, so that he will push you into a greater promise that he has for you. I'm just, (laughs) I think this is for somebody in here. Um, The Lord had me write this down. It was this, you're upset, and and I don't know what what that is, but the Lord was just like, you're upset. You've got this issue, whether you lost a job or a relationship broke up. Something didn't work out. But I'm telling you, you had to let go of the old season so that you could walk into a new season. And sometimes in God's love, he will hold back a provision, which hurts. And you're like, why in the world? He's always provided this for me. He's, this has always been a thing. I've always been able to depend on him in this area of my life. Sometimes he will hold back a provision, not as a, as a bad thing, but because it will cause us to move forward into the greater provision that he has for us in the promise. And I don't know who that's for. I just feel like that's a word for somebody in here that you're in a place where you're just like, you're struggling. Why? Because that old season and the thing that you've held onto is, is holding you back. And he's saying, you need to let go of that old thing so that you can walk forward into the new thing that I have for you. But you can't have both. He says, literally, the, the manna stopped because that year they were going to eat the produce of the promised land. God had greater things in store. Amen. Verse 13, keep with me. Verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Look what he answers. He said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
Now, most scholars believe that, that this, this man that he saw with a, with a sword drawn standing in front of Joshua is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus, like, which means like before Jesus was born, he, he showed up a few times in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. May I remind you of something? The issue is never, is God on my side? The issue is always, am I on his? Am I on his side? It is time for the people of God to stop trying to get God on our side. And it is time for the people of God to get on his side. Amen? Amen. Can I tell you something? Jesus isn't interested in following you. He isn't. You're like, come on, Jesus, come with me. I got a great idea. He's not interested in following you. He came to lead you. And when we try to do the opposite and have Jesus follow our great ideas, thinking that he doesn't know what, what, what to do, and he's just like this, this poor pitiful little leader of commander of angel armies, and he just needs you to tell him what to do, he's at a loss, honestly. Because he's like, I've come to lead you. Why are you asking me who I'm for? You should be with me. He's not interested in following us. God is not your co-pilot. If God is your co-pilot, you're sitting in the wrong seat. He is King Jesus. He is the captain of angel armies. And it is time for the church to stop trying to fit God into the kingdoms of this world. And it's time for us to intercede and to pray that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Watch how how Joshua reacts to the presence of, of Jesus. Verse 14. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? He, he just literally realizes who is before him and he falls flat on his face to the ground and worships him. It's this reality. If you want what you've always had, then just keep doing what you've always done. But if you want the new thing and the new season that God has for you, it's going to have to cause you to do something different than that which you've always done. Church, if you're facing a battle that is before you, get on your face before God. Verse 15, it says, Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. It's funny, as I was reading it this week, I had this distinct memory last last Sunday during worship. I thought, I thought about taking my shoes off during worship. I've never had that thought. Some of you are like, I do it every week. You totally should do it, right? I'm like, that's cool. That's cool if you, you, got, you got non-smelling feet like, like mine. Mine are not like that, but I'm like, I don't want to stink people out, so I'd leave them on, courtesy of people around me. I've never had that thought, like take off your, 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 your shoes during worship. I've never had a thought. And so I was asking the Lord, like, Lord, why would you urge me to do that? Well, why did, why did God tell Joshua to do this here in, in Joshua chapter 5? Why did, why did God tell Moses in the burning bush to do that as well? And all of a sudden, this thing just dropped in my spirit. I was like, when God is preparing you to head into a new season, it should cause you to be a little more careful about where you step. Hmm. When you're moving into a new season, 
It is very easy out of our own zeal, out of our own past experiences, out of our own, well, I just know that this is how it should happen to to walk out of step with what it is that God has for us. But when we're utterly aware, I believe that that this coming revival will be ushered in when God's people get a, a, a very clear dose of his holiness and realize I need to slow down, get on my face, remove my shoes, and say, God, I'm going to be careful about where I step. I don't, want to, I don't want to walk in front of you. I don't want to lag behind. I don't want to go around you. I don't want to disobey you. I'm going to be careful about the next step that you have in front of me. And for some of, someone in here, like maybe, maybe you're facing a problem, um, and you're searching for a solution in the natural. You've been searching for a solution in the natural for a very long time. You think like, well, if I could just work this out and do this, do that. Like, but the answer for you is to slow down, watch where you step, and get on your face in worship. I'm telling you, you you've been thinking, this is, I'm going I'm to fix it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it hasn't been working. I'm telling you, the answer for you is to slow down, watch where you step, and get on your face and worship him. Because the coming revival will be prepared when God's people become aware of his holiness. Why don't you stand with me? In Joshua chapter 6, I want to give you this as a, uh, just a, an encouragement for those of you that are in a, a really tough situation right now. Joshua 6, they've left Gilgal. They're, they're getting ready to, to they're, they're looking at Jericho. And Jericho is a very, uh, it's, a, it's a walled city. It's got gates. It looks very intimidating. And they know that behind Jericho is this promised land that God's called them to. But I'm telling you what, it didn't look good. In verse 1 in Joshua chapter 6, it says, The gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. So it's, it, it, it's, it's barred up. It's, it's impenetrable. And look what God says to Joshua. See, I have delivered, Josh, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So what did Jericho look like in the natural? It looked like it was walled off, secure, high walls, barred gates, impenetrable. But I want you to see what God sees. He says, see? No, I don't, I don't see. <laughs> I, nope. He says, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. God says, I want you to see not just what you see in the natural, but I want you to see the things that I see. Because God is always calling things that aren't as though they are. He very rarely asks us, what do you see? You should go with that. He prophesies what he sees into our situations to give us hope for a future. Because what we see is dry bones. We see a marriage that's on the rocks. We see dysfunction. We see addiction. We see hopelessness. And God says, I want you to see beyond to the other side of what you see. Because on the other side of what you see, I see victory. I see success. I see potential. I see freedom. I see the promised land. You see gates. I see the promise. And I'm calling you, come on, that's okay. I'm calling you to see, not with your eyes. I'm calling you to see what I see. 
Do you see it? Do you see that which I've called you to? <laughs> the reality is that God always calls us to see the harvest even while we plant seeds. Even while we're planting seeds, he's always calling us. Do you see the harvest? The harvest is plentiful. Look, the, the fields are white, ready for the harvest. There's so many times when we're in planting season, we're, not, we're, just, we're sowing seed, but God never calls us just to chuck seed everywhere. He literally calls us to plant seed, planning for what the harvest is going to look like when it grows. If you're just throwing seed or just sitting around waiting for it to grow, I'm telling you, something will grow all right. It'll be a mess. It'll either be crowded out because you haven't planned for anything or you just see a bunch of weeds that will choke out everything. He says, know the season that you're in and you know the best course of action to take. So what are you doing with the treasure that God has trusted you with? What are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? What are you doing in the season that you're in? So maybe you're here today and you're, you're like, maybe this is, maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been coming here for a while, but you're in this place where like, you know what? I've, I, I've never thought of my life being the end from the beginning. I've never thought of God placing me for such a time as this. And my, my years, my days are adding up to something that I'm not a mistake, that I'm not an accident, that he's actually called me and gifted me and given me time, talents, and treasures for the purposes that he's called me to. And I've never surrendered my life to him for that purpose. For maybe, maybe for you, for this is the first time you're here and you're like, you know what, I'm, I've never surrendered my life to him, to made him the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's where you're at right now, I just, maybe all around here you just say, you know what, that's where, that's where I'm at. I'm, I've never made that decision. And I feel like I need to today. Why don't you just raise your hand, just between you and God, just say, God, I, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. I just want to encourage you to pray with me today. Those of you who raised your hands just to say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I need a Savior. I ask God that you would come in and, and be my Lord and be my Savior today. I believe that you sent your one and only Son to come to die and to rise again so that I could have more and better life. I ask that you would come and dwell in me and empower me to live it the way that you've created me to. For those in here that made that prayer today, Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to keep your hand on each and every single one of them. Lord, that you've called them for such a day as this, for such a time as this, the season that they're in, not just to, to end out their days, but to invest the time that they've been given into the purposes that you've called them to. And so maybe if you made that prayer today and you're like, I just don't know what to do, your next step is to do what these people did. Your next step is to get baptized, to say, you know what, I need to, when's the next baptism? Sign me up. I, I need to make that public declaration of the inward work that God created in my life today.
And make sure you stop by over at our, our prayer team right over here. We've got a Bible and some, some resources to give you. We'd love to pray with you. But Lord, as, as we end in worship today, for the rest of you in here, I wonder if you would ask the Lord this question. What do you want me to do in the season that you have me in? What time is it? What have you called me to do in the season that I'm in? I want to walk in obedience to that. Let's lift him up in praise.